Hello, everyone. Welcome in to this SEC Morning Report. I am Blaine Gilmer. We are here on Southeastern 14, your home for daily SEC sports coverage, and excited to be recapping a week nine that I can't believe it's come and gone. We're already to week 10, yes, double digits in the SEC season, the college football season has arrived and we're going to be talking more so usually we do every single team we're going to be talking just more about the teams that played because the teams that were in by were a little bit a little bit quiet this week no earth shattering news or anything like that so we're going to get into all these teams that played games this past weekend um but guys as always, we appreciate you tuning in, like, subscribe, turn on notifications, and do want to say now that, hey, we have a new partner here with the show, with the network. We're, we're working with uh, Believe Now over there. Uh, they're powering this show, powering some of the other stuff that we do, and as part of that, we have a partnership with Bet Online here on the show, guys. The last of the major pro sports leagues has kicked off in the nba whether you're an nba person or not you may want to just put a little side action on it and bet online is your top spot for all the nba action this season also you have the world series still going on in major league baseball there's nfl and college football and nhl seems like it goes all year round i don't even know the the nhl season but it's in full swing bet online is your number one source for wagering news odds trends and predictions so get all your information over there if nothing if nothing else guys but get everything nba at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile app for every sport anytime head to bet online today and get in on the action don't forget to use your promo code believe you can see that at the bottom b l e a v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts and guys where we're going to start is the auburn tigers alabama had a had a bye week this week so we're going to go right to auburn and my my did auburn find a little bit of a passing game yes they were able to actually make plays on the outside with their receivers now i'll say a lot of that had to do with Man, there was some soft coverage by Mississippi State, and you got to give credit where credit was due. Auburn was able to take what was given to them, which they've not been able to do that this year, whether it's been the receivers failing to make plays or whether it's been the quarterbacks failing to get rid of the ball or there's been misreads or something along those lines. Peyton Thorne actually showed some anticipation in this game. He was able to push the ball down the field. He looked more like the the Peyton Thorne that was back when Michigan State won 11 games when he was playing with them. I think that is a big deal for this Auburn team going forward. Uh, Jarquez Hunter played fantastic, more closer to what we thought he would play uh, coming into this year. Now, he made made people miss tackles, uh, looked, looked explosive, um, you know, after after he got into that second level, did, did a lot of great things. But those wide receivers are the ones I want to focus on. Javaris Johnson finally uh, plays down the field, a little bit of explosiveness on long touchdown catch there. Um, you had Shane Hooks, who drug a guy into the end zone early on in the game, made a guy miss, and showed some physicality. Then, of course, they got the tight ends there. They got Ronaldo Fairweather that made some plays. So Peyton Thorne actually had it cooking there in that first half. He had almost 200 yards passing in the first half, uh, so they kind of slowed it down a little bit that second half. Now you're looking, can they do it 
four quarters, all right, because that is that is a key to it as well. There's been times where Auburn has done things for uh, a half or even a you know two and a half quarters this year, not finished games. So they're going to want that productivity for four quarters out of Peyton Thorne. But he's able to make people miss with his legs. Also, like I said, when you got Jarquez Hunter going, and then you just add some balance to that offense. That defense is good enough, guys, to be able to put people in binds and put people put Auburn in situations, especially at home, where they're able to win football games. Uh, now, let's talk about Auburn's schedule the rest of the way. We learned that Auburn may be closing in on being an eight-win team on Hugh Freeze's first season. Why, you might ask? Well, let's look at the schedule that they have at Vanderbilt, at Arkansas. Not a not a uh, gimme game by any circumstances, but I think Auburn is playing better than Arkansas right now. We'll see uh, what happens with Kenny Gatton taking over at Auburn as Arkansas's offensive coordinator. But two winnable games there for sure. Then you return home against New Mexico State, who – to be fair, is six and three on the year and has a really good quarterback play over there. But still, the the, the talent difference should be there. And you're talking about uh, being seven and four going into the Iron Bowl. And the Iron Bowl is in Auburn this year, uh, is in Jordan-Hare Stadium. So, hey, anything can happen in that kind of rivalry. We, we know that. Some crazy things have happened before. Uh, a eight-win season for Hugh Freeze, eight-win regular season in year one with that roster, what they've got going on, uh, that would be a masterful coaching job. And I think Hugh Freeze has has done a really good job. And that was that showed, hey, you know, coming off a, a bye week, they were able to they were able to really get things kind of. They didn't play great against LSU off the bye week a couple of weeks ago. Uh, then they got a little bit better against Ole Miss, we're able to hang in that. And now Mississippi State, it starts looking better, no doubt, a little bit against the competition. But you're about to have three winnable games going forward. Can they continue that offensive, uh, the offensive, you know, just continuity, uh, being able to be consistent when plays are there to be made? That's the big thing about Auburn. They weren't able to do that before, but now it looks like they're getting closer and closer to being able to do it. The Florida Gators uh, came out with a great game plan. We're able to hit some short uh, slant passes and things like that and, and had some of their outside, outside zone stuff, some of their stretch play stuff going early against Georgia. They just couldn't sustain very long, especially around the line of scrimmage, um, particularly on the right side of their offensive line. They got beat up a little bit in this game. Uh, Georgia was just better than them on both lines of scrimmage. Graham Mertz couldn't really settle in after that first drive. They made him uncomfortable a lot, forced him to be. They played behind the chains a lot. And anytime you do that against a team that's better than you along the line of scrimmage, it's just going to be really, really hard. And, oh, by the way, uh, they, Georgia was able to, to cover them pretty well, too, after that, that first drive. Um, you know, you, you can't have – can't have certain certain penalties. There were a few holding calls, things like that, that got them early on. That that started to started to really, you know, back them up a little bit and started bringing them back to reality after that first after that first drive. And they went down, and it was just kind of a dream start for Florida. Um, they've got guys that that can play really well. I think Prince uh, Princely, uh, Emmanuelian, of course, on defense continues to play really well for Florida. Uh, 
you know, Graham Mertz, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't the Graham Mertz that we've seen in a couple of moments earlier this year. Florida continues to just have a lot of the highs and the lows, right? Um, you know, the highs like earlier this year versus Tennessee where they absolutely just came out and blew their doors off or running the football well. They still weren't able to run the football fantastically against against Georgia, but they did run it, I would say, efficiently for most of the time, maybe early in the game, late in the game, but there was a lapse in the middle there where Georgia just kind of kind of dominated that thing and it really got away from them uh, in that second quarter. Um, and they've got to be able to, I think there's still a talent gap there. Billy Napier's doing his, his best to close that talent gap. Uh, he's got a quarterback in DJ Lagway that is just playing – uh, unreal in fact on three and and rivals and all these people were posting videos of what dj lagway was doing while the georgia and florida game was getting going i mean in a game that he was playing it with his high school and stuff like that so i'm telling you uh, dj lagway some of these guys for florida in the next few years are going to be exciting ball players i think billy napier and company they just they've just got to get more talent onto that roster to help Florida be able to close that gap with Georgia. Now, there's not going to be divisions next year, okay? It won't be SEC East or things like that, but Florida still fancies themselves as a program that should be competing for SEC titles year in and year out, and the way that it looks right now uh, is that has to go through Georgia. And when when you're comparing yourself to that standard, you've got to raise your roster capabilities to that standard and that's what um that's what florida is trying to do i think they've got to be mix things up a little bit differently offensively they get a little bit predictable at times but i think you got to give to this point billy napier and his coaching staff have done a really really good job of getting them to this point now it's going to be how do you finish they've they've got five wins uh and they've got four opportunities to get bowl eligible here this arkansas game is going to become huge huge they get him at home this week this saturday um and that would give them their sixth win because the next three games at lsu at missouri florida state at home those are tough ones guys and i said this year if billy napier got to eight wins in a season this year with the roster that he had, I said he deserves to be SEC Coach of the Year. We'll see how many he ends up getting. If he were to win two of these last couple of games, in my opinion, especially with two tough ones on the road, I think it would still be a really good job done. But they've got to win one, at least one of the last four to get bowl eligible. That's what we learned about the Florida Gators. What we learned about the Georgia Bulldogs is, They are still the number one team in the country, and you have to go through Georgia if you're going to try to have any kind of playoff aspirations, uh, any kind of SEC aspirations. Missouri's going to learn that this week as they go to Athens, but Georgia continues to play its best when its best is required. Um, Defensive line was able to get pressure and not just defensive line the sub packages that Georgia that Georgia employs especially on third downs I thought those were those were excellent yeah you got Jalen Walker uh, Damon Wilson Jordan Hall Xavier Sori Tyron Ingram Dawkins all these guys that are 
younger guys, guys that that uh, ne- not necessarily have have played a ton. Tyron Ingham Dawkins would have, but by injury, he's starting to make his way back, and they're starting to get better and better. Some of these young guys and some of these guys who have been injured coming back on the defensive side of the ball. Of course, everybody knows what they have in Smile Munden and Jamon Dumas Johnson at linebacker, and they're able to utilize them in that pass rush as well. Um, but when you're able to get some pressure like that uh, at the University of Georgia when when they need to. Now, Georgia's not a, a pressure-dependent offense a lot of the times. Uh, they're, they're able to um, – you know, they're able to just kind of be like a boa constrictor and kind of stop things without having to get a ton of, a ton of sacks. But when they are uh, required to pressure you and when they do bring bring those blitzes, then it's tough It's tough to stop them. It's tough to stop what they're able to put together on, on some of those packages and, and things of that nature. Uh, they came into the game against Florida with only 12 sacks on the year, uh, which was – only one ahead against Florida for 13th in the SEC coming in. They finished with four on the day, so they were able to get after it. And then they just dominated both lines of scrimmage, like I said, you know, the pass rush, but also being able to run the football and slow Florida's run game down enough defensively to make Florida do some things they weren't comfortable doing, and that is how you end up dominating football games. But Dejan Edwards offensively continues to just be a wizard and make people miss in the hole a lot of times and help his offense be be correct, his offensive line get things done. Um, he's, he's a weapon, and we learned that this narrative of Georgia's offense won't be able to do anything without Brock Bowers was absolute bull junk and that people didn't know that oh Georgia has so many weapons here they've got they've got Dominic Lovett they've got Ra Ra Thomas they've got Lad McConkey who uh, as they said on remember times that's one bad white boy right there I'm telling you Lad McConkey really really yards after the catch he was unbelievable the first time he was really healthy this year um, six catches 135 a touchdown so he was really good Oscar Delt played great made a great catch so and there was a ton of pressure on him and Carson Beck is a Heisman Trophy candidate so uh, we're going to we're going to continue to learn about this Georgia Bulldog team as they as they go throughout the season and they're improving is what Kirby Smart said they said this team is getting better which is a scary thought for opponents but now they get to go home and they get to uh, face a Missouri team who they are favored over by 16 points going into Saturday as we record this. The Kentucky Wildcats, it was not a game where you said, if you'd said, hey, Tennessee's going to beat Kentucky, I'd said, okay, I can see that. But you're going to say Tennessee's going to beat Kentucky after Devin Leary throws for nearly 400 yards on the day? I would say, what happened? Like, what bizarro world are we living in? Because Devin Leary just hasn't been the quarterback of old uh, over the last few games, especially uh, when it's mattered for Kentucky. But even all year, just hasn't been totally right and was able to to find Barry and Brown, to find Tavion Robinson, get Dan Key involved, all this kind of stuff that we expected earlier on the year. What was surprising was Tennessee uh, held down Ray Davis for the most part, wasn't able to get the run game going. So it was a totally different script that we thought it would be uh, from Kentucky. Kentucky couldn't stop the run against Tennessee. And if you're going to be competitive, what you have to do is you have to be able to stop the run against Tennessee. Uh, that is what 
that it's what Tennessee wants to do. People misconstrue Josh Heupel and Lane Kiffin's defenses all the time. They think, oh, well, there's these high-flying attacks. No, they're not. They're they're predicated on running the football. Um, and when it comes down to it, a front seven from Kentucky, you would expect to handle the gap scheme much better. They run a lot of it themselves. They weren't able to to stop it. Uh, Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson, um, you know, really running right through that Kentucky defense. So I think there's there's some stuff to fix there, especially going on the road now in the SEC. I don't care who you're playing. They're going on the road uh, to Starkville to be able to play over there where they've kind of alternated wins in that series the last last uh, few years. So it's going to be important to fix that uh, gap integrity, that the, the gap responsibilities there for these these Kentucky Wildcats on defense, Brad Brad White and Mark Stoops have to get that right before they take on a Mississippi State team that really running the football is probably going to be their strength, especially if Will Rogers can't play and, and if they get Woody Marks back. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but Kentucky, you know, hey, if you can now balance this out, uh, get some of that passing attack that you had going against Tennessee and then add a little bit more of that running capability that we saw from Ray Davis early in the year, then maybe that'll help you out. And then you just got to get better up front and stopping the run defensively. That is uh, that is not not Kentucky football. That's not kind of the brand they were built on uh, under Mark Stoops. And in order to have any kind of shot to do some things that they want to do, win it, uh, win 10 games overall, counting the bowl game, then they've got to win out here for the rest of the way. And they got Mississippi State on the road, Alabama at home, South Carolina, and at Louisville. Three of those four games I think are extremely winnable. The Alabama game will be tough uh, at home, but they do get Alabama coming off of a physical and emotional game versus LSU this weekend. So that that could play in your favor. Got to refocus and get ready to – to go back at things this week if you are the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, we'll talk about Mississippi State, their next opponent. Guys, just so many missed tackles. And we, I think we're learning that it's it's difficult being a head coach in this league. Uh, and you got you to gotta adjust. You got to find ways to do things. You got to be able to overcome injuries. Uh, and Mississippi State wasn't able to do that. They don't have Will Rogers. They didn't have – Woody Marks, and they just weren't able to to get things going um, against Auburn. Uh, not until it was it was too late. Too many turnovers. Uh, too many too many self enforced errors. But I think the the thing that shocked me is, hey, when you're a Zach Arnett coach team uh, and defense is your calling card, you you have to be able to be a sure tacklers. They typically are with Jet Johnson and and Boogie Watson, but. Whether it was Jarquez Hunter ripping off runs and making you miss tackles, or it was extremely soft coverage and allowing Auburn to to convert easy easy through the passing game, and also giving up some some busted plays, uh, some big plays on some busted coverages, just not the brand of football that you're going to be able to to win with at Mississippi State, especially with where the the roster is right now and things like that. So. I think it's incumbent upon Zach Arnett and this Mississippi State team to be able to look at this Kentucky team they're about to play this week and say, hey, uh, how does Mark Stoops continually do more with less, right? How are you able to, to build a team that is at least respectable year in and year out? Uh, it's been done there at Mississippi State before. They won nine games a year ago under Mike Leach, so it's not like it was 
uh, too too far removed, but they have to find some semblance of an identity with Mike Wright as their quarterback. I think they've got to utilize his legs even more. They've got to uh, you know take some of the, now they were they were behind in that game, so they had to throw it a little bit more against Auburn. But they've got to play way more complimentary football. Got to have the the defense step up and really uh, help them be good on third down, help that team get the ball back, and then they've got to shorten games by being able to run the football, particularly against this Kentucky team, is what I think Mississippi State has to do. So, guys, uh, you know, like I said, it's it's tough. Uh, it's tough, and it's an adjustment period for Mississippi State. But tackling in space, a uh, little bit tighter coverage, and then also being able to uh, run the football better, I think, is something that Mississippi State has to work on going forward. What we learned about Ole Miss, we didn't learn a ton uh, playing playing Vanderbilt. They outclassed them in every uh, way, shape, and form. Uh, Quinshaw Judkins, uh, Jackson Dart, Ulysses Bentley continue to to look good um, for for Ole Miss going you know going forward. They have a stretch where they're coming up here where it's going to be okay. Now it's getting to the point where, Hey, you're, you've got an opportunity to do, do some special stuff. Uh, you never know what's going to happen with Alabama. They, you know, they could, they could drop one here and then you'd be sitting in the, in the driver's seat going forward for the, for the, um, for the SEC West because they have the tiebreaker over LSU. So nobody's going to be rooting for LSU more than Ole Miss this weekend, but you got Texas A&M coming to town which is a difficult deal because they are very good on that defensive front seven. Uh, Old Miss's offense is predicated on being able to run the football first and foremost, and then they get that passing game going off of it. Uh, you've got a big game at Georgia next week. Can you be mature enough not to kind of look ahead on that and, and realize that you've got a tough task, a talented team in Texas A&M, coming to town even though they've had their offensive struggles that defense and Edrian Cooper over there are playing tremendously so I'm just looking for maturity out of out of Ole Miss and what they've been able to do so far is they took care of business against a Vanderbilt team that was uh you know that that was outclassed uh athletically and they were able to they're able to do the things that, that they needed to do in order to get a get a win at home, move on to what they have going. Um, Lane Kiffin continues to be creative uh, in what he what he does in, in the run game. He just out-schemes folks a lot of the time. And I think, uh, you know, when you've got dynamic backs like Ulysses Bentley, like Quinchaw Judkins, that's going to be huge for you uh, going forward to have that, that – that one-two punch, and then also Jackson Dart. Uh, I think I don't think he had his best game. Uh, there were some throws I think he'd want back out of this one. But overall, we learned that Ole Miss is a really good football team and took took care of business at home. They get another home opportunity this weekend. All right, let's talk about South Carolina. South Carolina is just absolutely beat up. We learned that Shane Beamer has not done a good enough job of fortifying this roster to be able to handle some of the attrition that is going to come in the SEC. Now, I know that they they have a lot of a lot of injuries. I mean, maybe even an abnormal amount of injuries, but this offensive line was not in good shape to start the season, okay? And now it's definitely not. So, that's on that's on Beamer and his staff for not getting some of the guys that they need to get in there to push to, put them in a success in a opportunity to have success 
particularly on the offensive line. And really a season where Spencer Rattler played really, really well has been squandered because of not being able to protect him. Um, you know, I thought they played with good energy on defense, honestly, and 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 held Texas A&M's run game down. Uh, they're 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 not easy to run on. South Carolina isn't now a couple of weeks, a couple of games in a row for them. Whether it's um, whether it's Florida, uh, whether it's even even Missouri and, and and Texas A&M, they've been okay against the run. They've been able to to hold their own, but they allow some explosive plays at times through the air. Uh, had a couple of penalties that were huge right there. So I think South Carolina is just – they're just not a, a talented enough roster is what we learned. They've got to be able to get that taken care of in the offseason. They've got to address the lines of scrimmage, particularly the offensive line, heavily this offseason to be able to compete going forward. So I think that's what we learned about South Carolina is there is a a void of talent that has to be filled this offseason and they just don't have uh the consistency needed at the point of attack over and over again to be able to hold up offensively protect Spencer Rattler and that's a shame because I said uh he's had a great year and they just don't have the weapons on the outside either to overcome some of the things that they're dealing with. Tennessee what we learned about Tennessee is, hey, if Joe Milton plays clean and they can run the football, Tennessee can be as good as they want to be. I mean, really, really they can. Now, defensively, it was atrocious, giving up big plays, uh, not being able to pressure Devin Leary to the amount that they wanted to be able to pressure him, and that that passing attack for Kentucky got going on Tennessee. Tennessee has allowed – uh, some big plays in, in some big games that they've played this year defensively. So I think you need to see that that secondary sure things up a little bit. Um, but, you know, at Alabama, at Kentucky, we've seen some, some shot plays hit on them a couple weeks in a row. I think you got to look, look at this UConn game as an opportunity for Tennessee to say, okay, let's figure out what we're doing here in the secondary wise we didn't they didn't have Kamal Haddon uh for the rest of the season of course due to surgery so they're playing with Danico Slaughter Gabe uh, Judy Lolly over there at corner um trying to figure out okay are there other guys like Brandon Turnage and Warren Burrell and where do they fit and all this kind of stuff I think they're going to have to get that figured out because Missouri and Georgia are going to air it out against Tennessee now Tennessee can help out, out that defense by trying to you would say typically keep their defense off the field by trying to shorten games, but that's not what Tennessee does because of tempo. Um, they can run the football, but they're doing it running fast. They're going fast. Uh, does does Josh Heupel take that into consideration if his defense starts to be a little bit of a liability in terms of the passing game and maybe slow things down just a little bit? That's not in his DNA, but it would help. It would help his defense a little bit. Um they did struggle in, in pass pro a little bit uh, for Joe Milton. They get they allowed Kentucky to get some pressure, um, you know. But but overall, Tennessee played a really good football game in terms of uh, complimentary. The defense, you know, wasn't playing the greatest at times. The offensive line and the running back stepped up and really ran the football well. And like I said, Joe Joe Milton, uh, you can't go broke making a profit, and that's kind of what he did against Kentucky. Nothing. Nothing over the top spectacular, but being able to win on the road in the SEC at night is never, never easy. They had some of those gap scheme runs just cooking. I mean, they were fitting 
just right on those defenders um, over there for Kentucky and really allowing Jalen Wright, who coming into the year, I said was a top three back in the SEC. You know, maybe his numbers don't exactly bear that out at this point in the year, but I'm telling you, uh, he's explosive, uh, he's dynamic, and I liked him a lot coming into the year, and he had a great game against the Kentucky Wildcats. Texas A&M, the defensive line continues to to play well. Adrian Cooper is playing at an All-American caliber level. I mean, the guy is just playing off-the-charts football. So I think when it comes down to it, that's the strength of this football team. Max Johnson makes some plays. But, guys, the thing about Max Johnson is got to get better mechanically and fundamentally to make it where not every catch is just ridiculously hard for your wide receivers to make. Um, the tight ends, you know, I thought Max Wright in particular made some catches that were uh, unbelievable. He had one in the end zone that should have been a catch. It wasn't that uh, just the the athleticism that he showed for a big guy was was huge. But Max has to make some of those some of those plays easier to make on his receivers. Um, like I said, they're very, very good defensively. They fly around. Walter Nolan being back was huge. Uh, and now they get an opportunity to go as a as a three-and-a-half-point underdog on the road to Ole Miss and see what they can do against that rushing attack and against Jackson Dart and, and those receivers and things like that. The secondary always has been the question dating back all the way to that Miami game. Can they prevent some explosives uh, in this game? We shall see. They, they did give up – few plays in the air to to uh, South Carolina but for the most part were solid now when you talk about when you talk about offensively guys they really started to do something that whether the results were there or not I think were beneficial it's it's starting to feed Ruben Owens the ball he had 18 carries on the day that guy needs to touch the football I think I would throw it to him out of the backfield uh, uh, you know a good bit as well but finally, 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 Bobby Petrino, Jimbo Fisher, they must have been listening to the morning report all last week because I was begging them to get the ball as many times as they could to Evan Stewart and Anaya Smith, 12 touches uh, through the air combined for them, six each, and then Anaya Smith also had a carry uh, on the day on the stat sheet there. But my goodness, when you're able to have those kind of dynamic playmakers, you got to get them the football, and I think they could still – force them the football even more a little bit with some design plays, some quick screens, things like that. Get them out on the perimeter, let them go a little bit. But Max Johnson got to clean things up, be a little bit more accurate if you're going to have a chance on the road to beat Ole Miss. And I'm not talking about completing passes. I'm talking about ball placement so your receivers can run after the catch, can make some dynamic plays like that. And uh, like I said, defensively, they continue to be very solid. Let's talk about Vanderbilt. Uh, the quarterback deal, they started switching back and forth. Um, it's, it's not necessarily where they want right now with, with, they thought AJ Swan was going to, kind of, kind of going to be the guy this year. Hasn't ended up looking that way. Uh, they're not able to protect the quarterback. Well, the running game as always is never, never stout for Vanderbilt. And I think when it comes down to it, uh, you've got to, You've got to find ways to just get more talent on that roster. Uh, they were overmatched once again uh, in a in a game on the road in the SEC, and Clark Lee um, and Barton Simmons over there just have to continue to find ways to add talent to their this roster. I think Vanderbilt's been a disappointment based on what maybe people were expecting coming into this year, especially after what Clark Lee did last year, getting some unexpected 
unexpected wins towards the end of the year last year, and they just have not have not been uh, playing up to the standard that I think they would set for themselves. Um, they've got to have better better QB play, um, and I think they've got to stop rotating them. I think they got to pick a guy and kind of kind of say, okay, this is this is who we're going to go with, and and uh, you know try to build an offense that complements them well to go forward. Um, I think Clark Lee still gets guys playing with a lot of effort, uh, but right now, no matter how effort they give, they don't have the talent to be to overcome uh, some of the challenges in the SEC, particularly on the road. So I think we need to see Vanderbilt um, really, really have a a great offseason and try to get some guys, if their administration will work with them, let them get some guys in via the portal and then also – uh, continue to just chip away at it with high school recruiting as well. But guys, that's what we learned here about all the SEC teams that played uh, in week nine. We're looking forward to week 10. We got previews coming out. Make sure you like, subscribe, turn on notifications. Remember, go check out Bet Online. This show is presented by Bet Online as we're powered by Believe over here, and you can get a 50% deposit, initial deposit bonus by using Believe. That's B L E A V betonline.com we would appreciate you doing that and we appreciate you tuning in uh to the sec morning report we do this each and every morning on during the week at 10 eastern 9 central on fridays it turns into jake's takes with jake crane of crane and company on the daily wire and we have a lot of other stuff a daily show every day with chris lee that's coming up just here in a little while so make sure you check out that live gavin schoenwald is on there with him a lot blake lovell we got basketball content with blake lovell um as we're getting going here we've got a lot of other exciting stuff that's getting going so make sure you are subscribed right here it is absolutely free hit that subscribe button uh and we thank you so much for being a part of this community where we cover daily sec sports for everyone at southeastern 14 i am blaine gilmer thanks so much for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time to talk more sec football right here on the sec morning report on southeastern 14.